3: It is time for a Super Football Friday, Super Bowl week. We are now just two days away from the championship game of the National Football League season being played and will be played without the Philadelphia Eagles this year, unfortunately. It was last year, not so this year, but the team they played is back. That's Kansas City Chiefs. And yes, we will be talking about the Super Bowl at some point during today's show. Not the entire show, because this is Birds 365. And we are were- <laughs> lectured yesterday by our streamers that we need to stick to the eagles Um, can't
4: talk about the super bowl can't talk about the super bowl yeah
3: we're gonna have to mention the super bowl at some point today um for those of you who are wondering i am not making my super bowl pick by donning a hawaiian shirt no this is a show of solidarity with our first guest paul domwich who will be joining us coming up in less than (laughs) 20 minutes who always says some hawaiian haberdashery on i'm not uh, falling in line with Andy Reid here, at some point Johnny Mac and I will get on the record, and make our Super Bowl picks uh, a little later in the show. As a matter of fact, but to do a homage to the name of the show, Birds Three Sixty Five, we will start there. Brian Johnson staying in the NFCs. Johnny Mac, they 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 all just take uh, like uh, a triple ring around the Rosie and grab new seats. Yeah, this it's year hilarious, uh, they,
4: you know. I I was talking about that yesterday with Tone. We did a night show, and I'm like, it's so incestuous. They just go from place to place, and it's like, you're terrible here, you're great there, and it's you know, it's it's it it should wake people up to the idea that it's about personal personnel more than coaching, but it it won't, it won't. Um, Yeah, it's going to be interesting because you know. There's a few people who think the Eagles wanted Cliff Kingsbury first uh, as well. So now you have Cliff Kingsbury.
3: They interviewed him first. uh, And I know it isn't always dictated by priority. It's available. There's a lot of things go into it, but uh, certainly priority is part of it. So I don't think that's unfair to read in the fact that the Eagles interviewed him first. No, and I
4: talked to a couple people when Jeff Mosher, uh, our buddy, was the first to say that he was probably the leader until the second interview. And then he said something that kind of went askew for whatever reason. And that's what happens. That's why you interview people sometimes. So I, I do think it's fair to say he, he was the leader in the clubhouse going into the second interviews. Now, I think people have taken that a step further and saying the Eagles wanted Cliff Kingsbury and he kind of turned them down. I don't, I don't think that was the case. I think something they heard in the interview was – um, you know, made them go in a different direction for whatever reason. But they had significant interest in him. He's going to be in Washington. Brian Johnson's going to be in Washington. We know Kellen Moore was in Dallas for many years, and Doug Nutzmeyer was in Dallas for many years. And you now there was talk that Dallas needed. Obviously, Dan Quinn. I forgot to mention Dan Quinn, the the head coach of Washington, comes from Dallas. Um, the only one that hasn't done this is the New York Giants, but, you know, they have been Eagles 10 to them already with Brandon Brown, the assistant GM, and uh, Mike Kapka's up there, Mike Garo's up there. Um, it's it's amazing. To show, and they interviewed Denard Wilson to be the defensive coordinator, and that's hilarious because... Then went to Tennessee. Who did he replace in Tennessee? Shane Bowen. Where's Shane Bowen? New York as the new, defensive coordinator. B- it, it's it's just, you know, I was looking it up because I'm gonna write about this. It, it, the one aspect of the NFL that's more murky than anything else, they say 24.9 percent of the sea floor is un is is chartered, is has been mapped. So we got like 75 percent to go. In the NFL, you can see everything. You can you can evaluate. You can see things, but you can't see assistant coaches. You can't you can't see what they do. You can't see whether it's it's sort of uncharted territory. And this assumption that Bobby King is good and DJ Elliott is bad, and I'm not picking on Bobby King or that it's just nonsense. And and people talk about it with such conviction and such certainty. And they got better here. You have no idea. And I know you have no idea because I have no idea. And I get to see these guys all the time.
3: It's just so overblown. And here's here's where I'll defend John Q Public here. This week, yes, it is so overblown. The certainty with which people are saying Eagles upgraded, downgraded, whatever, is certainly overblown. It'll go away. You tell me in Birds 365 in an August show, we'll be talking about remember how the Eagles upgraded their assistant coaches? No, it'll be forgotten. It'll go by the wayside. The reason why it's being talked about now and overemphasized a little bit now is because there is no player movement. You can't add any players, you can't subtract any players. All rosters are locked, and there's going to be a game played on Sunday what do you want to talk about it or not between the Kansas and chief San Francisco 49. And that's where the attention, eh, nobody's paying attention to Eagle players because you can't do anything about Eagle players. Well,
4: that's not kind of, you're right. You're a hundred percent right. We'll get into personnel far more when it's personnel season. I agree with that part of it. Um, but even when we get back to the, when we get to the games, it'll be, And again, I was astonished during championship weekend. It'll be, oh, the coach did this, the coach did that, this and that. And and it's just, you know, like, why isn't Quez Watkins turned into a great player? Maybe because Quez Watkins isn't a great player. It's probably not Aaron Moorhead's fault, is all I'm saying. Um, And, you know, back before the Eagles got A.J. Brown, I would chuckle because I would get yelled at for saying, the Eagles need to upgrade at wide receiver. And I would get a, but no quiz is fine as a number two. And I said it on the show. I said, no, no, he's not. No, he's not fine as a number two. He's not even close to being fine as a number two. He's not fine as a number three, as you've seen over the past number of years. Um, yeah, so assistant coaches get blamed for players and, you know, the same guy can oversee Aaron uh, A.J. Brown is one of the best receivers in football. Um, that doesn't count, but, you know, because he can elevate a bad receiver into being a good receiver, that seems to count. Andy Reid's a perfect example of this. Andy Reid is one of the great coaches of all time. I think we can all agree with that. Actually, some people in Philadelphia, maybe he's not the best. Some people in Philadelphia you still hold on to uh, he's not. But he is. Um, for those who don't know, he is one of the greatest coaches of all time. And he's coached a long time, obviously. You don't get in that conversation unless you have some longevity. Um, so he's coached a long time. And if you coach a long time, you're going to have some bad seasons mixed in. He hasn't had a lot, but he's had some bad seasons mixed in. He didn't become a bad coach in those bad seasons. He just didn't. It makes no sense. No sense. But, man, people overemphasize it. And I'm, 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 I'm torn on that, Jody, because compared to the other sports, it is more important, coaching in the NFL, compared to whether you want to go baseball, basketball, Hockey people out there, it's more important. It is more important. It's significantly more important because
3: they play twenty-two guys. Yeah, well, the sport plays twenty-two guys. You have to have that much more importance put on the coaches.
4: And it's significantly more important, but at the same, as but it's not as important as they as many fans make it out to be.
3: It really isn't. I, I think you're you're getting a little worked up on this, John. It's it'll it'll subside. It's, it's absolutely going to subside. It's going to become Howie season real soon. And nobody's going to be talking about, can't believe they let Brian Johnson go to Washington. Nobody's going to well, be Well, nobody
4: cares that. about Brian Johnson. That's not the point. But, you know, Bobby King's in elevation over GJ Elliott. Clint Hurts in elevation over Tr- Tracy Rocker. They're getting better at these positions. Maybe they have. I'm not saying they haven't. I Maybe they have. I'm saying... Fans can't know that. I can't know that. Maybe they have, but this is the way the NFL does business. And and that's why we brought up the incestuous part of it at the top, because one man's trash is another man's treasure in a different city. Because of the industry as a whole, the Eagles aren't the only one. But where I criticize the Eagles is they have the luxury of patience that some teams don't have. They use it sometimes with the GM they don't use it at other times with the coaching staff because I believe continuity is more important than anything else now that doesn't mean you should just keep with the same coach if he's not doing a good job but that's for Nick Sirianni to decide behind the scenes because he's the guy who works with everybody and he's the guy who can actually make that measurement or if you don't believe in him you move on from the head coach um they have the luxury and in certain cities, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Miami, not as passionate a fan base, they have to sell themselves each year. The Eagles act like they have to sell themselves. They don't. They don't. You you have the occasional fan who says, I'm not gonna you, watch. You, it.
3: you don't you don't really believe that. You're you're just saying they act like it, but you don't think they actually factor that into their thinking. Oh sure, I did. Coaching
4: whether I I don't I don't know if it's um oh yes a hundred percent I believe that really yeah
3: you I don't I, think I, they just made evaluations on whether the person's good enough to do oh, the no, job or not. No, no, absolutely not, absolutely not. And I'm not saying it's so you. It's, you actually believe that some of these assistant coaching hires is going to upgrade their view from the fan base that they're doing so to to sell the team.
4: Uh, not purposefully human nature aspect and that's what I'm that's
3: what I'm that's part of their thinking they're purposely doing it because they believe they no, know that what it's
4: being. it's part of their thinking because that's the way the industry works. You have to assign blame. The Eagles aren't the only one. everybody does it. everybody does it. when something is not reached when expectations are not reached, you have to assign blame. I'm saying that's part of their thinking. That is a big part of their thinking. They have to blame somebody for something. Right. Right? You can't fire the players. We we all know that. It's not even just the NFL. It's all sports. But I'm saying there's certain teams in the NFL that can afford to be more patient and they don't have to be that rash. They don't have to assign blame. They choose to assign blame because it's so ingrained in the culture of the sports world and, and so ingrained in the culture of the NFL, it might not be purposeful, but it's part of their thinking. Oh, we got to do this because, because how can we sell this coaching staff again? They don't have to sell it. That's my point. They yeah. don't have to sell it. They don't have to assign blame. He- they choose to assign blame because they think they have to
3: assign blame. That that is yeah, yeah. is where you and I celebrate on this. Assigning blame does not equate to selling. You're making it sound like they assign blame because they have to sell. I don't think they have to sell anything. I think they've got a great fan base. Well, we agree place. with that. Um, okay. I, I they don't have. I to don't... sell not If you're saying they're just going along with everyone else in the National Football League because that's how the great majority of National League football does it, yeah, I'll go with you there. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. I. If you can have continuity, you should have continuity. But if there's any hint of we need to get better at something, I'm not going to keep a guy in place just because. Well, he was only here. Where I got to give him a uh, Doing it by rote would be just as bad for continuity sake, as far as I'm concerned. But you're
4: not doing it. You're not doing it by rote. You, you, you. Uh, you know, I, I brought up Alex Tanny before in the glowing words that Nick Sirianni said about him. Well, you can times that by 50 with Brian Johnson. How 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 much this organization glowed about Brian Johnson since he got here, and all of a sudden, no more. So they're certainly not doing it by rote. They're doing it by reaction. They're doing it because they have to assign blame. You know, AJ Brown spoke about it. Somebody's got to pay. It's the nature of the NFL. Somebody else. I, somebody else talked about it um, out at the Super Bowl. I forget. I'll try to. Look up who it was. Uh, another player said the same thing. Well, somebody's got to. Uh, 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 somebody's got to be blamed. That's the way sort of it works, and it is the way that it works. But I'm saying it doesn't have to be the way that works in Philadelphia because they don't have to sell the team, because they don't have to overreact if they want. If they want, and you know what, proof positive of that is Jody Howie Roseman. They nobody gets to stay as long as Howie Roseman. Nobody gets to hire three coaches. Nobody. I got Lamb. I can't even tell. I still got the re, the, the receipts of people when I would say Howie's a top five GM in this league, and they, you got to fire Howie. You got to fire Howie. You got to do this. You got to do that. Jeffrey Lewis said, "No, I don't." He did it once, and that's why he regarded it as his greatest mistake. So he's not doing it again. Now ultimately he may do it. He's done it once and he can change his mind.
3: Yeah, Bill, Bill Belichick got his walking paper.
4: Exactly. Days, so
3: it can exactly. happen to anybody.
4: It can happen to anybody. But they have proven time and time again, you know what? Patience is 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 better in this form. They could have said the same thing about the coaching staff. Now, if they believe so and so stinks, to me, it's more of a discussion with Sean DeSai, not saying Sean stinks, but um you know they didn't have him in the building for as long they didn't rave about him for as long um you can't tell me they i I went through this with Press Taylor you tell me oh this guy's so bright and this guy's this and this guy's that and I all of a sudden turn around and say up oh, you're you're out you you can't do it you've done you're terrible well you can do it cuz the eagles do it all the time it just doesn't make sense from my perspective so Sorry, I got up on a tangent. I'm not saying they do it purposefully, but they act. That's the way of the industry. And their assumption is we have to blame somebody. We have to blame somebody. And at this time, it was a bunch of coaches, not just Brian Johnson. And, it was a thir- bunch 30, of coaches.
3: 32 other teams. <clears throat> it looked very similarly. The Eagles are not standing out like other teams. Oh my God, they fire all their coaches. They have to make them. Everybody does it. Everybody in the league does it. And because of Howie Roseman, I would say, Eagles are one of the teams that actually are on the stronger side of giving guys breaks and being a little bit more patient because how he counts in that vein. And yeah, the, he doesn't have to sweat his job a little bit. Uh, You think Brian Johnson should be here. I think Brian Johnson should be gone. We'll find out if he helps the Washington offense at all. I'm not scared of that a little bit. The combination of Cliff Kingsbury and Brian Johnson. Now they're going to get a new quarterback maybe that's the last time who think is going to go number two in the draft. Um, and it'll take some time. Oh, by the way, both of those guys are going to get at least two years. Neither one of those yeah. guys get fired after one year working with a rookie quarterback. So uh, guys, you know what your, your, your shelf life is minimum two years. So you don't have to do anything outrageous year one, you know, you're getting a second year. But then after that, like John points out, the NFL is a, what have you done for me lately? Business.
5: Oh, so yeah. don't,
3: don't think you have five years to figure out how to make uh, Drake May a great quarterback. You better be a little quicker than that. And By I'm- the way, the
4: one piece of wisdom I got from Chip Kelly, I'm joking, Chip brought a lot of good things to the NFL. I don't think he gets enough credit, uh, but he had some significant flaws. Um, but the one thing he said, and I said it on the show, that always resonated with me is, you know, when he would talk his people, don't don't tell me we're doing this because that's the way it's always been done or that's the way everybody does it. Think outside the box. And the Eagles have the luxury of doing that. They don't. They're like everybody else. That, to me, is a disappointment.
3: Yeah, uh, we, we could argue this 10 more minutes. And we got Dama waiting, so we will not do that. Paul Domwich contributes on jacobsports.com, writes for the 33rd team, and... I I was going to use a word I shouldn't use. Uh, This is a family show. (laughs) Jerk for not telling us who was in the Hall of Fame. He knew last week Eric Allen wasn't in the Uh. Hall of Fame. And he didn't tell us because he's a man of his word. He said he wouldn't leave. A man of his word. How dare he? he? We could have kept it to ourselves. No, Domo does his job and he does it. Well, he will do it with us next here on Birds 365.
2: Get ready for the big game with Underdog Fantasy and sign up right now with your verified account. Use the word WIN when you register. Underdog Fantasy is giving away $1 million in giveaways and underdog credit on Super Bowl Sunday. And there's a new customer special for anyone that signs up this week for Patrick Mahomes. Get ready for Super Sunday and set up your account right now with Underdog Fantasy and use the word WIN.
3: Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We thank you for streaming in on Super Friday, Football Friday. Yeah, they're gonna play a game on Sunday. We're gonna ask Domo about that as well. Well, Domit 3013, Jacobsports.com. Good enough to jump on. And I went with the Wyon look because of Domo his is a little little, little bit more. <laughs> I, I think
4: we're all foreshadowing the Andy Reid win. I'm the <laughs> only one being non-biased
3: here. Uh. Mm. As I said at the top of the show, don't read my sartorial splendor into my Super Bowl pick. Um, Thelma, before we get to the Super Bowl, I pimped you a little bit before we punch you up. Uh, no, you knew last week the Hall of Fame status. You guys had your selectors meeting prior to. Used to do it night before the Super Bowl, but now they have the honors, which, oh, by the way, Keenan Michael Key was good last night. I thought he did a good it's job. Always I actually it. Mm-hmm. his his monologue was really funny i thought he did a great job and eventually got to the hall of fame stuff need to know from you was eric allen close was he dismissed first time finalist they kind of put you into that waiting line that you gotta be there for it suffer some more eric hasn't waited long enough uh how did the conversation on eric Allen go um
8: you know, everybody. I mean, I think there's a lot of support for him in the room. But the bottom line is what you just said, Jody. He was one of four first-time finalists. Uh, actually, five. The two uh, peppers who got in, Gates who didn't, and then uh, J- Jari uh, Evans, Fred Taylor, and Oh Rodney Harrison. So there was the four of the five who were eliminated in the fifteen to ten vote were first-time finalists, and that's kind of the reality of the room right now. Uh, and I don't object to it necessarily, even though, I mean, Eric should have been in years ago. Uh, you know, when guys have been waiting, when they've made the final 15, it's tough to come in, you know, after you have not been in that final 15 and jump over them and, you know, unless you've got some eloquent guy making his presentation for you. And apparently mine wasn't eloquent enough. Uh, uh-uh.
3: No. Won't hold, won't hold it against you, Damo. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like that's. The- in, Eric, in Eric,
8: I think what's going to happen with Eric and, I, and I'm, you know, it's, it's why I'm not real, real disappointed that he didn't get in. This was his 18th year as a modern era candidate. He's got two years left. There, just as there is a consideration in that room for people who are first time finalists, as far as not let, uh, having them jump over some guys that have been waiting. There's also a consideration for people that are getting close to being, you know, going down that uh, senior rabbit hole where you sometimes never get heard from again. So, you know, it happened with Sam Mills uh, in 2022, made it in his 20th year of eligibility. Uh, You know, I think I feel good that either next year or at the very worst uh, in two years, Eric Allen will be a Hall of Famer.
4: Um, anybody surprised you a little bit getting in, uh, Devin Hester finally put a returner in. If somebody deserves it, uh, it should be him. No question about it, but I'm a, I, I was a little surprised. Uh, the guys went down that route. Um, you mentioned Gates. I thought he would get in as a first ballot guy. Happy Randy Gratishar got in. Um, I think he's been forgotten a little bit. He was a, a tremendous player. Yeah. Uh, Steve McMichael obviously sick right now, so um, that that's exciting for him and his family to get in. Um, Julius Peppers to me was a slam dunk guy. You know, interestingly, Andre Johnson, Patrick Willis. I don't know. I don't know. For me, Damo, I think I'm weird. Like when I I've seen Patrick Willis his whole career, great player, great mm-hmm. player, but I, I don't I don't look at him as Hall of Fame. I have more reverence for the older guys, maybe because of the stories I've heard. I don't know why it is, but yeah. I'm like, is that really a Hall of Fame player? I guess so. I, I don't know. It's difficult for me. Do you have that same difficulty with, I ho- I think I hold guys to I that I've seen for every single year to a higher standard. I don't know if that's yeah. fair or not.
8: You know, the biggest uh, downs negative with Willis was that he didn't have a long career he retired early because of uh, you know, issues and and worries about concussions and that sort of thing. Um, This was his third year as a finalist. You know, it's tough with inside linebackers because they don't have a stat you can grab onto uh, like you can with, with sack guys. And uh, yeah, it was a problem with Sam Mills. It's a problem with every inside linebacker, you know, that's come through, especially since you, you know, you mentioned guys from the, you know, the, the old guys, uh, you know, they were usually about 260 pounds and there was something imposing about a Butkus and 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 people like that. Uh, you know, these are smaller guys. You, you know, for some reason, they don't jump out at you. I didn't have a problem with Patrick Willis. I had a problem with Devin Hester. Um, it did I did not believe – I didn't vote for him when, when we were down to five, and that's the first time I've done that in a long time because I just don't believe a guy who wasn't good enough as an everyday player, no matter how good he is as a return guy belongs in the hall of fame, uh, you know, kickers, punters. Sure. That's their job. their one and only job. Uh, when there's only three of them in there. You know, I, I just had a problem with Hester. He had like, uh, you know, I don't think he ever had a year where he had more than 55, 56 catches and he only had a couple of those. Uh, so, I mean, he was strictly a return guy. Granted, You know, what the best ever, uh, probably. I mean, what do you have, like 19 touchdowns? uh, I think he had 14 punt return touchdowns,
4: which is amazing, amazing. But I think about impact, and I think about Billy White Shoes Johnson. There's another old guy, and I think about I don't know how much that um, resonates with you guys, but I think he was so impactful. Like, maybe if there was going to be someone, maybe he should have been first, and then he could have, the other guys in, I don't know that that's meaningful to me, yeah. but I, I I, don't think there's any question that Hester is the best returner of all time. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Does that deserve, um, that's so specialized, yeah? But then you get the no more, and 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 the
3: more specialized in kickers and putters,
4: yeah? And yeah, part you know, of it is
3: kickers um, and putters, and how do you not? Oh, returners don't matter, and, but and, that's
8: that's and, all they can do. Uh, and what, I, what else can we, kickers punters do other than kick and punt? and and, and but kickers also decide games? that's not necessarily the case with a return guy. I just well sure. guys I'm looking at, at you know if they were a wide receiver and weren't good enough to to be an every down player for their team or or make a difference as a as a wide receiver, I just have a hard time voting for them as a return guy, no matter how good they are
4: and, and plus now it's like it's been devalued to the point where. We're never going to have another returner. They're All not the they more don't reason that
3: has him. to deserve to be in because they've taken it out of the game. But you're yeah. voting on what the game was like at that time and returning was still a key element to the game. And he did it better well, than I'm, anybody I, ever did. it. Before. I,
4: I would say more I'm the ever. same. I, I, there's not a lot of kickers in the hall of fame. There's not a lot of punters in the hall of fame either. Same thing. They're specialized. There's a reason there's only yeah. a few. Two kickers, um, and one punter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Ray, uh, people look at Ray guys numbers and they'll say, well, look at the guys today. Yeah. But Ray was so dominant in his day. Uh, was Deb, did Devin reach Ray guy status? Uh, I don't think so. for me, I don't, well, I don't think so.
8: Not for yeah. me. Devin, Devin or a uh, uh, guy got in as a senior candidate. I mean, it took yeah. him a long time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Devin Hester, it, it didn't, I mean, he was a, he's a finalist for three years, but, uh, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a moderate, uh, you know, he, he still had a lot of eligibility left.
3: I just, you know, I mean,
8: a lot of the people in the room obviously disagreed with me.
3: Let me ask you about that, damo the way that you stated it, uh, Ray Guy compared to Devin Hester. Well, Ray Guy had to wait. Well, oh, that
4: was me, not damo No,
3: no, damo yeah. just gave me the uh, placement of when Ray Guy got in. He got oh, in yeah, the yeah, senior yeah. committee. Yeah. So do guys do that? Do you think in your own mind, I'm asking you to get inside the heads of all your fellow voters Um compare and contrast guys and well he didn't get in till this way so I think they're very equal play so I have to hold out on voting on this guy and he's gonna have to go through his senior club do they do that do you think they do that in their own minds and guys comparing guys positionally would certainly be the most obvious way to do it and we're talking about return the quote-unquote return guys punters kickers does that happen and if so do you think along those lines
8: well, let me point out first, I'm, I am not on this. There's a separate senior committee inside the big committee who selects the two. Well, it varies from year to year how many senior nominees there are and how many coach slash contributor uh, nominees there are. And then we, we vote on the ones they nominate. Right now, there seems to be among the senior committee a, an attempt to, 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 to right wrongs from years ago uh you're you're looking at most of the nominees are guys from way back. I mean, you look at the 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 coach contributor guy that did not uh make it this year, did not get enough votes, was Buddy Parker. Yeah,
4: Clark, Clark Judge is a big favorite Park, guy. Yeah,
8: yeah. Now, I, I I love Clark, but I ain't putting Buddy Parker in the Hall of <laughs> before yeah. Mike Holmgren, before Mike Shanahan, before guys who may be more recent, but are certainly more deserving. Uh So that's, you know, that's, but that's where we are. You know, Art Powell didn't make it. He was nominated as a guy who they felt has been overlooked for too many years. And I'm talking about the senior committee. You know, I think they're getting, in my opinion, they're getting a little bit too uh, obsessed with righting wrongs from 50 years ago. I mean, there's a reason these guys got passed up at some point in the 60s when, you know, the Hall of Fame's only been around since, I believe, 64 so they let in a ton originally. Yeah. And, you know, if they felt at that time when they had a better recollection of a lot of these guys that they weren't good enough to be in the Hall of Fame, you know. Now, we,
4: I, I saw it with Eric, 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 obviously there's, you know, and I saw Rube was talking about Seth uh, today um, and his numbers compared to Patrick Willis's. Now, to me, I, I don't get caught up in that stuff because Patrick was. I don't know, seven-time All-Pro, something like that. Made the All-Decade team, so I think that's more that more resonates because you're talking about you you had an opportunity to make more plays in Seth's era. I don't know if that's fair or not, but
8: um. you know, Eric has suffered a little bit from the fact of the lack of statistics back in 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 his era, in that we don't know he was he was a he was a shutdown corner corner. Uh, people did not. I mean, one you know, one part of the, my presentation was Phil Sims talking about. I mean, about <laughs> Bill Parcells telling him if you throw it Eric, a- over Eric Allen's way, I'm taking you out of the game. Uh, <laughs>
4: yeah, Clark told us that Phil Sims and Troy Aikman as well. Troy Aikman, I thought I thought yeah. Eric would have a better chance when guys like that talk him up a little bit. So,
8: so you know, what I'm the bottom line I'm saying here is he didn't get many. Balls thrown at him and yet still had 54 interceptions, uh, which means he just took advantage of every opportunity. I mean, he had you know his skill set was you know, I mean, I got a chance, you know, I was covering ball back then, and and you know, I mean, it, it's just not a question to me that Eric Allen belongs in. He suffered for a lot of reasons. Uh, the fact that he didn't play on a Super Bowl team, uh, a Super Bowl winner, you know, that uh, there's only one Hall of Famer. Off of those great uh, gangrene defenses, and that's Reggie White, and that's a that's a problem in that room. They're just too much of a reliance on championship teams. I mean, you see the you see the number of ex-Steelers, you know, former Steelers, former Dolphins, former Packers. I'm not saying most of them don't belong in, but at some point, you've really you keep letting guys in because they played on on these Super Bowls. Yeah,
4: well, I I definitely think there used to be too much of an emphasis on Super Bowl championships because one yeah. guy you know and and i'm biased like everybody else on certain guys because i know jim marshall i'm like what the hell jim marshall can't get in he's not even close and maybe you know that's because Paige got in and eller got in you yeah. know and he's the third guy um and they didn't win the super bowl they just went to a bunch of the super bowls but um everybody's got a little bit of that i need you to do me a favor though domo and i know i'm gonna lose this argument but I need you to hold the wall because next year is the year. Eli Manning is eligible for the Hall of Fame. I know I'm gonna lose. I know he's going in. Not, not that you, is not you, you a Hall of Fame. Quarterback. Year?
3: No, I don't think no. he will go in the first year. Okay. So so next year is irrelevant. But At I mean forever. I mean in
4: perpetuity. I'm asking Paul Damo to hold the wall. This is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. Damo ter-
3: Damo will hang up his vote before Eli gets in. I can get, and not because Domo's holding the wall. It's gonna take a while for Eli to get in. Domo's telling us great stories about how you have to build up equity, and you gotta wait, and you gotta go through the process, and that's the way it's worked. With the Eli's not getting in right off the jump. Oh, it's gonna God. be a while. The he, he, debate he, will he, rage. He is and, a 500
4: quarterback who had two runs. I, you know, why isn't Jim Plunkett in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. I, I, I mean at, at one point, you know, you, you get all these nutty Eagles fans who say Nick Bowles should be considered uh if he had a second run. I mean, come on, he's a five hundred cor- how many losing seasons did that guy have? I can't I, I, I can't even believe it's a discussion. And deep down I know I know he's getting in at some point. I know it might not be year one like Jody said. Yeah. But I know he's getting in
5: because I- of his I- name. It's
8: it's and, going to be a while, and it's. I mean, I, I agree with you, uh, John. I mean, I, I don't right now see him as a Hall of Famer, and right now, I mean, his career is long over, so I can't imagine somebody changing my mind. But if he gets in, it's going to be long after I'm I'm done voting. Yeah,
3: <laughs> Eli will not be a first time, a second time, a third time. He may get in at some point. I'm all oh, oh three. We're all in agreement. He's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. But he may get into some court, but it's going to be down the road. All right, uh, Dom, a couple Eagle questions, a couple Super Bowl questions. Will the Eagles rule the day when the Cliff Kingsbury, Brian Johnson offense is running circles around the rest of the NFC East, including the Philadelphia Eagles, since they had Brian Johnson and made a play for Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, they are now combining tag teaming down in D.C., is that the offense to fear for the next decade?
8: <laughs> you know, it's, I'm going to be interested to see what happens down there uh, with Kingsbury. Um, you know, I don't, you know, there's too many uh, offenses that that have enough of, of, of similarities now that it's not the novelty. It was when he was coaching it in college, when uh, you know, when Leach was uh, when he was learning it from Mike Leach as a player, I, I, you know, I don't know. You know he, we'll see what happens. It's it's gonna come down to who they have as players. Uh yeah. They get the quarterback right. Who are they yeah. getting? Is it
4: gonna yeah. be Caleb Williams? Is it gonna be Drake May? Is it gonna be Jaden Daniels? Um and does know, that turn, turn guys into Snyder is not
8: gonna become a player, is the one they'll draft.
4: <laughs> it's different. Remember, this is not the Daniel Snyder commanders. We can't just assume. They're always going to make the wrong decision. I'm not a big Josh Harris guy from Sixers yeah. stuff, but he's better than Daniel Snyder. I'll say that. Can't just assume they're going to make the wrong decision anymore. Yeah. Um, oh, I think
3: they-, they could. I think they could make the right decision, and then those two guys could coach him up poorly and make it look like the wrong decision.
4: What? 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 In- yeah, Johnson. He he's also down on Cliff Kingsbury for some reason, and I don't get this, Damo. And I we Jody and I were talking about it. I'm not picking on Jody because everybody does it, but people talk about such certainty with these coaches, and I'm like, I don't even know. But I know the Eagles told me that Brian Johnson was a really bright. Well, okay. But uh, John, really you talk coach. with
3: you talk certainty as if Brian Johnson should have been capped. You're you're as guilty as anybody else. I talk with certainty. You're talking with certainty that Brian Johnson should be here.
4: I got Jody upset. No, I talk in my opinion. I think Brian Johnson. That's what everybody else has
3: is an opinion. How do you declare it as certainty? Because
4: I don't say it's certainty. Am I 100% certain that that Brian Johnson is going to be one of the best offensive coordinators? No, I'm not. I'm listening to what the Eagles told me for two years. I know he turned Jalen Hurts when he was working with him on a day-to-day basis in a runner-up for MVP, which is pretty good. And all of a sudden he turns into the offensive corner, he turns into a moron. I, I don't know. Who and called then him I look a moron. At, well, a lot of people have called him much worse.
3: But uh mm-hmm. he turns I it love you to name names.
4: It, it 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 well, I'm I'm talking mainly of fans, and uh, you know, I'm not using the word. You you have not heard people criticize Brian Johnson. Oh, I've criticized Brian Johnson. Yeah. I'm on
3: record. I think he did a lousy job this year. Oh, well, then I think what are you arguing with? For it with its job,
4: and you're that's arguing my, for argument. That's my opinion. Here's here's the bottom. Like a lot of people are upset to Jalen Carter. A lot of Eagles fans are upset that Jalen Carter didn't win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Came in second to Will Anderson. Why did he come in second? Because he finished poorly. Um, But a lot of Eagles fans wanted him to be defensive rookie of the year. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. He had a good rookie year. He came up second. The Eagles offense was number eight in the NFL, number seven in points per game, number three in third down offense, number one in fourth down offense, number nine in red zone offense. These are not fireable numbers. These when are you're not expect,
3: when you are expected to be significantly higher than that short hell is. Uh, uh, uh,
8: yeah, I mean, I didn't Donald, from, from the me. previous
3: year where they were last year. The categories you just gave down, 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 and down. Well, they okay. certainly
4: weren't down in first down, uh, at the fourth downs because you can't be down from one. I don't think they were down. I don't think they were third and third down offense. So they were up in two
3: yeah.
8: of those categories.
3: No, they, they were, were down and gets three. credit for touch points. Are you kidding?
8: They were very up in third down offense. I believe that forty eight percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I made my opinion clear last week uh, that he was a scapegoat. That the blame for the you know any uh, problems with the offense this year. Uh, fall on the head coach who who you know did not make the changes he needed ma- needed to make during the off to adjust for what defenses were going to do to them. By the way, yeah, I I just thought of this the other day. The Eagles
4: did to Nick Sirianni what Nick Sirianni did to Sean Desai. It did, <laughs> they, they, they did the same thing. They did the same thing. Do we think this is going to work out? They are trying to thread this needle. Yeah, with with yeah, with Nick Sirianni. Um, and we joked about the press conference and the part where he said, What are you going to do? Tim McManus, our buddy asked him, You know, what do you do basically here? And he said, I don't know. He sounded like a retired guy. I don't know. Maybe I'll sit in the defensive meeting, but Vic, Vic will tell him to get the hell out pretty quickly. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, is it karma because. That's essentially what Nick Sirianni did to Sean Desai. He said, You can stick around, but we're going to strip you of all your power.
8: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they've covered their bets here with uh, the people they've hired as coordinators. Uh, they've got Kellen Moore, who's probably one of the up and coming, you know, that definitely is one of the up and coming young offensive minds who could be, you know, as far as head coaching candidates going forward. And then you got Vic Fangio, if you wanted to go that route for a year or two, if, uh, you know, if you had to make a change. You got a guy that's got head coaching experience, and uh, you could you could make him the head coach. So they're I think they're covered there if they want to fire Nick after this season.
3: So let me ask you this, Domo: If you're just taking a step back and looking going forward, and you have the chance to have Brian Johnson be your offensive coordinator with Nick Sirianni going forward into 24, 25, 26, 27. Or you can have, with continuity attached, because Brian Johnson was here as an offensive coordinator last year and uh, the two years before as quarterback coach. Or you can have Callum Moore, as you just called him, new, bright, offensive guy, change of pace, no continuity whatsoever, but a different outlook. Which would you choose for the Eagles? Well, it's not a choice.
8: You you fired the the one guy. So and no,
3: I'm saying it's a scratch. We 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 take the fact that you took him out. You have the chance to hire either one of them now. Which which do you think would project better for the Eagles' offense going forward? A Nick Sirianni combination, uh, a Sirianni um, Brian Johnson combination, or a Sirianni uh, new offensive coordinator combination?
8: If you gave Brian Johnson the freedom that Kellen Moore now has. I'd pick Brian Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Damo. Brian like Johnson is going to be a head coach in this league within four years. I agree. Who, do you,
3: who do you think will be a head coach first, Brian Johnson or Kellen Moore? Probably Kellen Moore. <laughs> I'll, I'll take any of that action. You want to make a wager? You are you and I are in, Damo. I'll take <laughs> any of that action. Kellen Moore gets a head coach job before Brian Johnson easy money. I give you 2 to 1
8: odds. Well, I mean right now sure. I mean he's got a better team that that he's in charge of, a better offense that he's in charge of. Uh and he's got the freedom to do, you know, to run what he wants to run, to add motion, to add play action, to do all the things that uh that Nick had no use
4: for. So there was uh there is, not was. There there's some concern and I heard it from a couple different people, Damo, that the Eagles at least early in the process were leaning more towards uh cliff kingsbury uh when they were interviewing guys mm. and and the thought process was he can strengthen what jalen does well um and then for whatever reason they got to the second interviews cliff must have said something they didn't like and they went in a different direction um and they end up with kellen moore and i think kellen moore's um as you mentioned top 10 using motion. He puts the quarterback under center. The Eagles don't do that unless they're tush pushing. Um, he, he had Dak Prescott at one point as number one against the Blitz. So he's been successful at the things the Eagles weren't successful at. Where are you in the debate of strengthen what he does well versus he's got to evolve and become better at these other aspects of the game?
8: Yeah, I mean I would have been reluctant to bring Kingsbury in here because I mean the pieces are here. You know they you know all the you know all the pieces work. You've got you still have even if Jason Kelsey retires one of the better offensive lines in the league. Uh you know, you don't need to do anything radical like uh, the air raid offense. Uh so I, I that and and plus from what I understand, I mean Cliff Kingsbury wanted wanted to bring in a, an an entire new Yes. Yes. Staff, yeah, yeah, including Jeff Stoutland. Well, anybody that wouldn't yeah. want to keep Jeff Stoutland. And by the
4: way, that's probably why Kingsbury is not the offensive coordinator here because yeah. he wanted, yeah, he wanted too much autonomy. And it probably had to do with Stoutland. I agree with right. you. Yeah, which is crazy.
3: That, that just goes to show how big a dope Cliff Kingsbury is. If if, if you would risk a job, because I don't want Jeff Stoutland. I, have you been around the National Football League for the last decade, big guy? yeah good luck in Washington. Exactly. good luck to Brian Johnson working yeah. underneath them.
4: <laughs> Who do you like? I don't know how much you you've looked at draft prospects, but when you talk about Caleb Williams, Drake May, and I'll throw Jaden Daniels because I'm a Jaden Daniels guy. I love Jaden Daniels. um which way you could have any of those prospects to turn in a quarterback and you're Brian Johnson, which
8: one do you want? Yeah, to be honest, John, I really haven't looked at them uh, deep enough to to give you an honest opinion on that, or at least a knowledgeable opinion on it. Well, it's understandable.
4: Yeah, yeah we're we very got, we early. Get, in we the got months
3: before we get there. Not that big a deal. All right, uh, since you and I are clad in Andy Green, uh Andy Reed type wear, just buy that. No. Oh, no. I've had this for a long time. I got a bunch of these up in the class. I just don't wear them all that often. Only during the so sure side shirts. I'll wear it in February. I did it for you, Dom.
4: Yeah. Um, nice day I, out,
3: though. I Good day
4: to break it. it out. Good
3: day to break it out. Yeah. yeah. no, I'll, I'll be changing it after the show is over. Um, Andy Reed is not the favorite. Once again, he was an underdog last year. John Q public, AKA the betting odds spit in his eye and he spit back and won a Super Bowl. Is he going to do the same again this year as a two point underdog to the San Francisco 49ers?
8: Yeah, I think he is. Uh, I really, I really like Kansas city in this game. I, I mean, it's going to be close, but I, the, you yeah, know, they've got a defense now. I don't know if anybody's noticed, but yeah. Steve Spagnuolo has a, has a, has a defense that's going to give Brock Purdy some problems on the on Sunday. And I think I think Kansas City's going to pull this one out maybe by three, four, five points. I'll tell you in my world, I don't know. Jody's right,
4: obviously, factually. Kansas City's the underdog. I don't know how, because everybody I know is picking Kansas City. Uh but obviously there's members of the general public going in a different <laughs> direction. I, I'm surprised how many people are picking Kansas City. Like nobody's picking San Francisco. It's pretty amazing to me.
8: That's a How good you team. Against hey, come on.
4: Wow, that's true, too. The, the conspiracy, yeah. The, the conspiracy theory. I'll,
3: here are two guys I'll take over, Tay-Tay and uh, <laughs> Mr. Kelsey. Trent Williams, Devo Samuel. When they play, the 49ers win. That's true. And as of now, both are healthy Maybe not 100%, but 95, no questions, full participant, in practice, shoot. Uh, Debo could take a shot on his shoulder in the third play of the game, and you're screwed. But then again, Travis Kelsey could blow out a knee on the third play of the game. So I don't think he's any that worse off than uh, 95% of the players in the game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going against the Chiefs. I'm taking the 49ers. I think that they've got their two key guys on offense to somewhat stifle that Kansas City defense, because you're right, Damo, People uh, Last week, I picked them to win outright against the Ravens when the Ravens couldn't lose and they were the best team in football. I said, no, yeah, they can, because people aren't giving Kansas City's defense enough credit. This is a tougher offense. The, the 49er offense is significantly better than the Raven offense. I thought they'd be able to stop the Raven offense. They did. They contained Lamar Jackson. The, the 49ers offense just has too many ways to beat you and I think they'll do that against this chiefs defense as good as it has been this year. I know uh, everybody in Kansas city entrusts spags. I'm, I'm entrusting the weapons that the 49ers
4: we trust. Yeah. It's amazing what he's done with that defense. And, you know, I think Eagles fans would like that defense back here, just the way they play uh, versus what we've seen. um, And we'll continue to see hopefully big, uh, ramps it up because he's the guy who runs the scheme. By the way, it's interesting. Big sixty-five. The Cowboys are bringing back Mike Zimmer, who was sixty-seven. Did We're they getting... just
3: announce
4: that? Uh, no, but uh, I don't think it's official yet. But they're bringing him back. He's going to be the defensive coordinator um, coming back after two years out of the game. Um, early now, in his tenure in Minnesota, they is had...
3: that a mistake by the Cowboys, John? Since it's not continuity.
4: Well, they had to, they they They're oh, they right. had Quinn, to change. Quinn left on his
3: own, yeah. Um, but you know, it, they're going to turn over that staff, they're going to give Mike Zimmer uh room to roam and do whatever well, he wants. I, and I hire don't, All the assistant coaches that no. were so good under Dan Quinn.
4: I well, first of all, Dan took one of them, uh, Joe Witt uh, is going to be his defensive coordinator, similar to what Jonathan Gannon did with Nick Rollis. Um, and the Eagles lost two, so he's taken one. They blocked Al Harris because uh, Dan Quinn wanted to take him as well. So I think that's an indication they're keeping Al, and they should because I mean, look at what he's done with their cornerbacks. Um, but yeah, I I I I I was a big Zimmer guy early in his tenure in Minnesota as a defensive guy, not as a head coach. He had like three top five defenses in a row, and then people start to catch up now that he's gone. And the league has shifted. If he brings back the A-gap stuff, I think the Cowboys are going to be a problem because people don't play it
8: anymore. That's where we're going to see Micah lining up a lot next. Yeah,
4: year. yeah. I think they're going to be a problem. I think it's, I I think it's going to work for the Cowboys. At least Long live old guys.
8: Long live old guys. Yeah. Yeah, know, so that's,
3: that's good news in Philadelphia since you've got a, uh, a non-sprite chicken taking over the defense here in town. If the old guys can still get it done, hopefully that includes uh, the Eagles' new defensive player All right, Dom, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for uh, dressing up as you always do. We will talk to you again next week. Where are you watching the Super Bowl?
8: On my couch.
3: Very nice. All yeah. right.
8: I'll be What's watching best it place to right be? here.
3: Looking that way over to the TV while on here. I got I'm on the air during the fucking during so <laughs> the Third year in a row. Yeah. I'll I'll be playing Maybe well, pre-taped interviews so I can actually watch the game. We're babysitting my
8: grandson. So I don't know how much of the game I'm gonna actually get to see. So. Oh, okay. Um, Good job, grandpa. All
3: right, yeah. uh, pleasure, Damo. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Dama. Yeah. Well done with uh, 33rd team, and you should be reading him each and every single week during the season with his stat pack as good as it gets on jacobsports.com. McBowden McDonald coming back, hour number two. We got a good guest joining us as well, free agent writer. And he is a free agent because he is the kiss of death. Grim, deep,
4: to- the Grim Reaper. Grim uh, Reaper of Mike football
3: writers. Yeah. Mike Tanya is going to join us coming up in about 10 minutes or so, from, uh, 20 minutes or so from now. Hey, Birds fans, here is your chance to save up to 40% on your car insurance right now and do so from one of Jacob Sports' great partners. Here's what you need to do call managing partner Jim or Fran and tell him you're a friend of Jacob Sports and Birds 365.
4: My name is uh, Fran Solano. I'm a managing director here at Del Valle Insurance Group. Been in the business for over
2: 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. ready for the big game with Underdog Fantasy and sign up right now with your verified account. Use the word WIN when you register. Underdog Fantasy is giving away $1 million in giveaways and underdog credit on Super Bowl Sunday. And there's a new customer special for anyone that signs up this week for Patrick Mahomes. Get ready for Super Sunday and set up your account right now with Underdog Fantasy and use the word WIN.
3: Here on Bird Street 65. Yes, it's Super Football Friday because we have the Super Bowl coming up on uh, Sunday. I'm on record. I'm picking the 49ers. Hey, Domo's gave it up early, early. Yeah, I did because uh, you could tell that Domo was uh, going to pick
8: <laughs> Kansas City. So I wanted to,
3: to balance that out a little bit. Uh, I'll give you the – oh, I'm going to give you the official final score, which I bet yesterday. The odds of the final score that I'm predicting for the game are 500 to one. I put $2 down on the official final score and I'm going to win. Are you dollar. going to score a gummy on me. Um, I don't know if it's, I'm pretty sure it's been scored in the NFL before. I can almost guarantee. I don't know off the top of my head, but I would bet uh, 500 to one. Uh, it's never happened in a Super Bowl before, so uh, I give you my official score later in the game. But before they got to the Super Bowl, they had the awards uh, night last night. Pretty good production. I watched it on NFL. Uh, I didn't watch.
0: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
3: It's the last, I don't know, a couple minutes of it, so I got—I put it on tape. I'm going to go back and, and catch what I missed, but I did see the opening monologue of uh Keenan Michael and I thought he did a an outstanding job you know what the best line of the Super Bowl was uh the the pregame the award show was he mentioned Taylor Swift is in Japan performing a concert and then she's going to try and get back in time for the Super Bowl blah 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 how many hours and everything people have this down to the to the no. minute as to whether she can or can't get that's yeah, a little over the top, but um, he did mention that she's going to try it, and he said the only one who is uh further away from the Super Bowl right now than Taylor Swift is the Carolina Panthers. And I went, Oh man, that's a shot on goal! Damn, I hope there were no Panther people in the audience. Uh, but I thought he did an outstanding job. And one of the first few awards they did was Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie Defensive Player of the Year. And, yes, a lot of people in Philadelphia thought that Jalen Carter was a lock for it, and he probably was after the first half of the season. He was a runaway choice. And, oh, by the way, they have a betting market for that. You can bet defense rookie of the year. And at one point, I think I saw Jalen Carter at one to five. That he would have had to put up $5 to win a dollar. He was so significantly favored because he was that dominant. He lost. He did not win. He finished second to Will Anderson, um, the highly drafted defensive end, who got more sacks, who played on a team that went to the playoffs and was exciting, finished the season on an uptick, won their playoff game unlike the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, that's part of it, even though the playoffs had nothing to do with it because you got to have your votes in half time. It is purely a regular season award. But the Titans came on to make the playoffs. The Eagles clung to a playoff spot. You know what? Num- two, two things out of this for me, and I need your take on it, John. Number one, I think they got it right that he was not the defensive rookie of the year. So I'm going to applaud those who voted for that. Now, I would have actually voted for the kid from the Rams who I don't know if you saw the post on Pro Football. Yeah, he, was, uh,
4: he was third, right?
3: He finished third. Uh, easily the most sacks and did so from a defensive tackle position, not a, not a uh, defensive end, like Will Anderson had more sacks than Anderson. And Anderson was outside. Um, There were a whole bunch of people that didn't even put him on his ballot in the top three, which I think is ludicrous and ridiculous. He would have been number one on my ballot. Um, And here's the other thing I I, I'll say about uh, Carter not getting the award. Good. Number one, I don't think he earned it. I don't think he deserved it. Number two, I want him coming into next year with a little bit of chip on his shoulder. Had he had he won the award, might have puffed up his chest a little bit, said, yeah, I don't have to worry about conditioning. I know I didn't play all these plays. In oh, uh, McMullen and McDonald have both said many times since the season ended, there are positions that need improvement on this team, and they're going to stay with guys they already have, and just expect them to up their game, well, he's one of them. Mr. Carter is one of them. He needs to step up next year, production, amount of uh, snaps that he gets per game, and ready to play the entire 17 games and not see a drop off. Now, he was not alone. The entire Eagle team dropped off the face of the earth. So I'm not just point-picking him out and singling him just for this personal conversation of defensive work, year, I am. Can't happen next year, Johnny Mack. And maybe the fact that he didn't win defensive rookie of the year actually helps make that happen.
4: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I think the bigger part of that is, you know, use yeah, Nick Seriani always says if it would if it works for you, use it. So if it does, if he puts if it puts a chip on his shoulder, great. But yeah, he's the 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 key is he's gotta improve the conditioning, have by hell or high water. You should know that even before he didn't finish first in the award, I wouldn't I, I gotta be honest with you, I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have been upset if any of the three won to be honest. Uh, I, I still think Jalen's the best player, but I understand why they went to will Anderson. He and, and, and Kobe Turner played a little bit more um, number one, now, you know, still Jalen was the best player of the three. If you if you want to look at film and PFF and that kind of stuff, he was still the best player. So I think the Eagles are better served moving forward. Although I think Will Anderson's going to be a great player as well. We'll see if 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 Kobe can keep. The only concern with me with him is he's really undersized. So people might start figuring that out a little bit. You mean
3: you mean like his running mate on the defensive line and
4: Wow, well, yeah. Angeles? I'm not going to compare him to his running mate. I don't I don't think
3: that's fair, but he's, he's undersized. I well, you know he's undersized. I know he's undersized. He's undersized, John. You can't get around that.
4: Well, yeah, but that's like the Eagles saying um Nolan Smith is going to be a son Reddick to a lesser degree. Aaron Donald's one of the greatest players of all time, one of the greatest exactly. defensive players of all time. To assume that somebody else, because they have a similar frame, Kalijah Kansi is the best example because he's the closest to, from a physical framework and athleticism and things like that. I never compare anybody to the Aaron Donalds of the world, even if they look like them um, to a lesser degree because Hassan's a very good player, but he's not in the Aaron Donald realm either it doesn't mean because you have somebody a similar size they're going to turn into a son reddick kobe turner had a good rookie year if i'm saying who's going to be the best player of the three i still think it's jalen carter so i have no problem if i'm the eagles i'm one of those guys who doesn't care all that much about uh awards to begin with so but if it if it motivates them use it uh Nick Sirianni as says so I agree with that part of it
3: yeah my only point on the the Rams DT who finished third and didn't get <laughs> votes at all which was a joke in my estimation I don't ever over emphasize or overjudge size that I I didn't mean to say I think he's going to be the next Aaron Donald I said, Aaron Donald is a guy who, when he came into the league, some people said, yeah, not a first-round pick. He's just not too undersized. And he became maybe the greatest defensive in uh, the way, uh, history of the game. So I'm not saying he will become the next. I'm just using his name to point out that your size does not dictate how good a player you can be. It sometimes has an effect on it, but you could it can certainly be overcome, just like Aaron Donald did.
4: Oh, sure. But, you know, the the odds are it will not be overcome. Uh, He's he's the outlier. Um, um, Now, I got to cover John Randall as well. Very similar situation. Uh, And Aaron's even better than John Randall, who's in the Hall of Fame. Um, So, yeah, it happens. But that's why the NFL places such emphasis. We're going to get combine talk in the coming weeks and, That's why they place much emphasis and that's why they do analytics and that's why they study and say, well, let's look at the whole course of the NFL in the modern NFL and who has success at these particular positions. And that's why you study these things. Are there outliers? Of course, there's outliers. But there's a reason why you study those things and certain trends uh, are what they are. Um, And again, Aaron, Aaron Donald is different. He's different. But I'm very proud of Baron Donald because I not only said he was the best player in that draft, I got that one right, uh, but, yeah, he, everybody knew he was going to be a first-round pick. But I think he ended up going 11th maybe, um, and that was because of his size. He should have he went number one overall. He was that good. He was that dominant. He was that different. I have multiple radio hosts that can confirm that I said he was the best player in that draft. That's one I'm very proud of.
3: And my point is that I judge production and what I see on film, not what the scale tells me when a guy gets on it. That's that 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 to me yeah, but, is.
4: The, but 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 you're 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 missing the point of if you watch Kobe Turner, and as great as a rookie season as he had. You don't see Aaron Donald. You
3: no, do John, not see. Aaron no, Donald. you're not getting it. I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald. I'm saying Aaron Donald is the point that you can overcome your size. Those who put too much emphasis on size and the prototypic size of a player at a position in the National Football League, if you put too much emphasis on it, you're opening up yourself to a potential big mistake. That's my point. I'm not saying Kobe Turner is gonna be Aaron Donald. I'm just saying Aaron Donald proves the point that it's not all about size, that it's all about your measurables, that you stand on a scale and they and every, no, that 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 is something you should factor in. Too many people put. Too yeah, much but the,
4: the, that in in my point. You were the one who brought up Aaron, not me. He he was he was thirteenth, not eleventh. He was thirteenth. Everybody my bringing
3: up of Aaron as me comparing the current day player to the player. I didn't say that. I said Aaron Donald proves the point that just purely your size, too big, too small, to whatever else, should not be the only determining factor or even the top. And determining it wasn't. Factor.
4: That's my point. Everybody in the NFL. Well, they knew- were
3: Ten teams that fucked up mightily because they didn't listen to John McMullen and take Aaron Donald with 13th pick. Why yes. do you think they didn't take him?
4: Still, 13th pick, 13th pick is not bad. Everybody in the NFL. And
3: if you if, if if someone like John McMullen was smart enough to say he's going to be the best player in the draft, and and 12 teams passed on him, guess what? They screwed up.
4: Well, you know you it, it, yes, of, of course you could play that
3: history. That was a yeah. great
4: draft. you that was a great draft, by the way. There are certain guys who miss, but that that the top of that draft has a bunch of pro bowlers and a bunch of guys who turned into being a really good player. uh Chip Kelly at the time said,
3: "I don't even know who the twelve guys are." I'll guarantee you right now, none of them first-time Hall of Famers, first-pound Hall of Famers. No, he's the Arizona best. Will
4: be. He's the best, and that's why I take, ulti- I, I, take very, I take a lot of pride in saying he was the best player in that draft. Chip Kelly said Odell Beckham Jr. looked good for a while, but it hasn't, uh, and it was a very good player until the injuries took over. My only point is, if you're picked 13th in the draft, the NFL understands he was different. Yes, typically they look at a 280-pound guy, And they say, we can't take him at the top of the draft. And yes, in hindsight, the 12 teams in front of uh, the Rams should have taken Aaron Donald. However, if you're the 13th, like people in the NFL knew this guy was different from step one. The fact that he was picked 13th, despite how undersized he was proves that he's six foot one. He's 280 pounds. Guys like that don't get picked there they picked him there so they knew he was different they knew he was different did they know how different no uh, nobody know even i didn't know i they, they, nobody nobody's project any rookie player or they should that guy's going to be one of the greatest defensive players in nfl history but that's what aaron donald is
3: That's yeah, that's complete 2020 hindsight. I I didn't know I liked him too, maybe not as much as you. I don't think I called him best player in the draft, but I hit top 10 and he went 13, something like that. Um, yeah, no one knew, no one knew he was going to be an all time great when he came out in that draft and he overcame his size. It has been proven it can be done. I'm just saying, remember that as we head into draft season, don't give me. Oh, his arms are too short. He must be a tackle, not a guard. Stop it with that. If you can play, you can play. Put the put the put the proper emphasis on size over what you've accomplished and what you've uh, projected on the field. All right, he's McMullen on McDonald. Mac Mac coming back talking to the self-proclaimed kiss of death when it comes to football, right? And we love him. Fucking Tanya is great. Um, We'll punch up Mike Tanya next with us here on Birds 365.
2: Get ready for the big game with Underdog Fantasy and sign up right now with your verified account. Use the word WIN when you register. Underdog Fantasy is giving away $1 million in giveaways and underdog credit on Super Bowl Sunday. And there's a new customer special for anyone that signs up this week for Patrick Mahomes. Get ready for Super Sunday and set up your account right now with Underdog Fantasy and use the word WIN.
3: Thanks for streaming in here on Birds 365. McDonald, McMullen, and Mike Tanier, free agent, NFL writer, who wrote an outstanding and humorous piece about uh, his year in the National Football League, writing for, not one, not two, three different outlets that have uh, unfortunately gone by the wayside. Football (laughs) Outsiders, the harbinger of uh, bad things. No. Uh, he's our guy. He's Mike Tannier, and he's here with us on Birds Three Sixty Five. So you get to sit on the couch and watch the Super Bowl on Sunday. I get to sit on the couch. I get to drink beer. I get nice. To, I get
9: to gamble. I get to get. You can't gamble obviously in the press box. So you know there are a lot of silver linings to the fact that yes, my my Super Bowl credential was revoked. Uh, revoked was, i've never
4: heard that before it like. was
9: revoked well the the messenger went out of business yeah on wednesday and a couple of us were discussing well you know maybe we go we could maybe write something on spec for another site etc yeah. and on friday they simply rescinded rescinded not revoked rescinded everybody's uh, uh Boy, the production.
4: nfls on top of it I, i'm i'm surprised by that i'm surprised <laughs> by that Same I see Dave. yeah have you given the laptop back yet that's what i want to know
9: that, that's everybody's big question. And yeah. as soon as I get my approved expenses, uh, you know, paid for and I get a mailing envelope, the laptop is returned. Until then, I don't know where it is. It is somewhere in this office.
4: Have you ever <laughs> used the laptop? When you get those free laptop like I have my own laptop, so that's, I don't want the free laptop
9: Right. My own laptop that is set up the way I like. That's yes, like, exactly. a PC, not a Mac. I'm not a Mac guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if the repo man knocks on the door right now, I'll have to be like, whoa, 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 and I'll have to go search for it. But I, uh, I don't think that's going to happen.
3: Yeah, that's that's funny stuff. So I and I can't believe this has never come up with me and McMullen before. Like you can't go to DraftKings on your phone when you're in the press box and put down a two team parlay in a four o'clock game when you're covering a one o'clock game. And that's I'm almost that.
9: certain you're getting the help for it. Now the uh the internet when you're in the press box is usually because it's the NFL internet and they've got sites blocked.
3: Yeah, yeah.
9: And there I know years it. back, I, I think I tr- I tried to look up a line. Like, I want to look it up a line. That's part saying,
3: of the story. If you don't think gambling is part of the story, you're you're missing out. So you should have the access to it. That's an important piece of information you should be able to have.
9: Right. Well, you're, you're able to get it from other where. But I think I tried to go on to DraftKings in, like, 2019, and I hit a firewall that maybe things have changed. Or maybe if you are the, the correct rights holder that the NFL is a deal with, you can <laughs> get it. Yeah, but every
4: too- once in a while, every once in a while, <laughs> Um, at the Novacare complex, I, I'm shocked with a firewall. Like, uh, you know, there'd be a link or something to a news story, uh, and it'll be blocked. And I'm like, what, what, what is going on here? But yeah, they do a good job with those firewalls. Yeah, so they'll, they'll shut. I don't know. This might be shocking to you guys, but the NFL is a little hypocritical when it comes to gambling.
3: No, no, not at all. What
9: are he you talking say. about? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's an evolving situation. Where, yes, to yeah, say the and, least. Maybe it should evolve a little bit faster. I don't think we should be betting in the price box. I honestly don't think No,
4: that. I don't. Uh, no. I, don't. About, I I wouldn't even have known if Jody asked me, but I'm not a betting guy. Jody's right. a betting guy. I don't bet in, in my personal life. Okay. I don't. I don't. I I don't do it, so I don't think about it that much. But, yeah, I I don't think we should be doing that in the
9: press In this industry, we're gambling every day. We're gambling with our opinions. Well, that's true.
3: (laughs) That's That's very true. That's very true. Good way to look at it. Oh, so your opinion of the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Speaking of gambling, uh, it was going to happen when the Raiders moved there. You knew it was going to happen. They were going to have their biggest week of the year every year, the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Have we just reached a point where only guys like McDonald, McMullen, tenure, uh, Tina Michael Key holding court for the award show, That they're going to let the gambling questions and hypocritical nature of it all just roll off the duck's back?
9: Well, it's rolling off for most of this week. I have not heard a lot coming out of there. They, they put the uh, the rules for the players out there. And, again, the rules yeah. for the players, I guess, make a certain amount of sense. If the NFL didn't enforce rules like you can't go to a sports book, the coach would. You know, the, co- the coaches don't want those guys running around Vegas anyway. So, you know, I don't know what difference it makes being in Vegas when we can gamble legally here in Jersey where there are two teams. and You can gamble yeah. in Pennsylvania and, and New York. So I don't know what the difference is. I just hope that the the league – and the league did change their rules a little bit. Like They changed the rules for players. And, the, and the, the the bottom line is, you know, players should not be allowed to bet on the NFL. But otherwise, they are citizens of this world. They should be allowed to bet on the field of 64 or the PGA Tour or whatever or, or, or whatever else they want to do. And I hope the league tries to reflect that so they can minimize the hypocrisy a little bit.
4: Yeah, they got to minimize it a little bit. I love the fact that you can't bet on anything at NFL facilities. So you got to right. you take two steps out, then you can... <laughs> Out in your DraftKings app, yeah. A lot of it doesn't make sense, other than I'm I'm with you. I think they were way too harsh on guys betting on whatever it was, basketball games, anything like that on it facility. I think there needs to be more education because I talk to a lot of people with this, and they're like, All right, this is these are the rules, but it's not like they're emphasized. So the point where you got to have some personal responsibility. But we're talking about young people with a lot of money. (laughs) We emphasize it a little bit. Other than you get them in training camp
9: and say, "Oh, you can't do this," and expect them to back. And you can put like a warning system in place. We saw you do this. This is a warning. Yes. Exactly. See, I come from a teaching background, and you know when you're 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 an educator. Yes, I'm an educator. Like, okay, hey, I have my prep period between classes. I know I can't go on a school computer and put bets down. Like that's inappropriate workplace behavior uh, you know, for somebody who's supposed to be in leadership. And in a lot of regular workplaces, if your boss catches you gambling during your free time, like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be doing this. You can get in trouble. I don't know if a 21, 22-year-old recognizes that that would be the culture or if that's the culture anymore. So if they're sitting around after they've gotten off the weight bench and things like that, and they got their App out, and it's basketball season. They're like, Oh, I'm gonna place a bet on the Warriors. They might not spot that right away. And again, well, you were handed the handbook of rules. Well, yeah, who reads, who reads the handbook? Yeah, it's with my I, laptop. I don't know what it is. I'm, yeah.
3: I'm gonna play jerko here because okay. um, no. I do it quite naturally. Right. Um, <laughs> what is the age where you are no longer given slack as question. to, Oh, you yeah. you should know not to bet? At twenty four, but at twenty three, hey, still a young. I I, I missed that memo. Right. Where do you draw that line, Mike? Tanya, that you go from being just out of college, too wet behind the ears. You give him too much to think about. You're asking too much. to... all right. You're actually an adult now, and we're going to give you a warning. You got you to
4: be Mike. You got to be Mike Zimmer's age. And then then you should know. <laughs> then you should know.
9: Maybe it should be like half your age plus seven. Like, yeah. like who you can date without it being creepy. It's half your age plus seven. Once you reach <laughs> half your age plus seven, you should know all of these things. Although for us, that's getting up into the 30s. That would be a complete NFL veteran at, the, at this point. Yeah. That's why like a warning system does make sense. It's not about how old you are. It's like you get one telling. You get one you were told. Okay, did you hear that? Yes, yes, boss. And then if you do it the second time, then, you know, you, you yeah. didn't violate the league policy. You disobeyed your boss directly. And that's always, I
4: I think we all know I'm still not mature. So everybody matures at a different rate, and there are people, but I think, you know, with the younger generation, um, they grew up differently than we did. And uh, yeah, they probably need a little bit more uh, re uh, and, and Mike knows as a teacher, you got to emphasize things a little bit more in the, in the cell phone generation, uh, short attention spans, blah, blah, blah. But I'm with Mike. I think that's common sense. You get a warning, you get the book of rules that nobody reads. It's like the <laughs> Apple agreement. When you update your iPhone, nobody reads it. Um, and then if you do something wrong, I think it's common sense to say, Hey, you can't do this. Right. And then if they do it again, then I'm okay. Now, the one exception NFL games, they got to know they got yes. you're an NFL player. You can't bet on NFL. Games. Right, that, right. That, There's that,
9: a level of common sense that kicks yeah. in. And, and a part of it, when you're going back to Jody's age point here, it's like we all grew up in an era when I'm going to place a bet in your mind. I'm doing one of the bad things. I'm doing one of the illegal things. OK, if I'm if I'm calling my uncle or, to, or going to visit my buddy at my, the bar,
4: my bookie.
9: Uncle Carmine, when you call Uncle Carmine back in the day, you knew you were doing something that mom yeah. couldn't know about, etc. Yeah. cetera. If you're whatever age now, you grew up in an age where, where gambling was legal and and this efficient. And the idea that you're doing something that's a vice might just simply kind of fallen out of your mind a little bit. And that's not a full excuse, but it's a recognition of like where some of these guys are coming.
3: No, I always like to go to the bar at four o'clock on Friday afternoon mm-hmm to get even and meet up with, I just do that anyway, whether I had to collect or uh, you better
4: show uh, up, if, uh, yo, uncle
9: Carmine, you
3: better show, better show up, better show up Friday, four o'clock. Yeah. That's um,
9: the lawns, get the money.
3: <laughs> I, I need, need your opinion on this since we've asked everybody else who's come on and no, you've got no better grasp than anyone else. I'm just asking you to make a guess for us here. Mm-hmm. Jason Kelsey going to play next year? We're getting some serious mixed signals from the Eagles Hall of Fame Center. You want to weigh in? I think so. I think if the
9: point was he didn't want to upstage his brother, he would have retired right before Super Bowl week. And it would have been done. And then we would have kicked into media night, and Travis would be the toast of the town, and Jason would be an afterthought. I have a feeling he's leaning towards playing again. And I I think of a lot of these older Eagles, the anger of the end of the season – they Got home, did whatever, went fishing, or whatever. they're sort of simmering down and they're weighing their options a little less hostily or like less frustration emotionally, yeah, 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 than they were in January, beginning of January.
4: Yeah. Um, speaking of the angst of the end of the season, we haven't talked to you, maybe Jody has, maybe I was out, but uh, um, the coaching changes and what they've done. And sort of from the outside looking in, it certainly looks like they clipped the wings of Nick Sirianni uh, trying to thread a very small needle. Um, You like it? Dislike it? I mean, if you don't have confidence in the head coach, Mike, why don't you just show the courage of your convictions and say, let's turn this whole thing over?
9: I, I mean, I think the changes were necessary. And I don't think it's that unusual to to say you've got to make these changes. I liked Vic Fangio coming in. I think that's a very good hire. I don't think that that would have been the wing clipping because, of course, that's the defensive side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you're gonna get, and you're getting a better version of a similar. And they
4: wanted Vic. They wanted Vic. Yeah, they wanted Nick. Would have hired Vic. So I, yeah, I agree with you. Defensively, it's not an issue. Offensively, yeah, yeah, there's some issues.
9: And I'm not a huge Kellen Moore fan. Yeah. couple of years of kellen moore in dallas where when the dallas offense was playing well it's like look at all the things kellen moore brings to the table and the moment they would trip over themselves look at what mike mccarthy has done like there's a little you know like there's a, there's a little bit of all credit goes to the young guy and all the blame goes to the guy that we always would blame to then he goes over to the chargers and he was supposed to be the solution to the whole charger problem yeah justin herbert gets hurt but Earlier in the season, that offense isn't playing well, and we start hearing, "Well, look at the weapons. Look, look at you know, Keenan Allen's gotten old, et cetera, et cetera." The thing about it, though, is his system is so much different than Nick's. That's what you're talking to, John. The, the yeah. wing stepping. You didn't bring somebody in. Okay, here's somebody who comes in who is like this mobile quarterback, read option, run heavy guy. You bring in this extreme motion pass every guy, and it's going to be Moore's offense, or there's going to be conflict. And that's the part where I don't see how that shakes out and how that benefits Jalen Hurts and the Eagles.
3: Yeah. Uh, you and I are not on the same page on this one, Mike. You, okay. you talked about uh, Kellen Moore got all the credit and uh, Mike McCarthy got all the blame. Okay. Except from the only guy that really merit, merit mattered, Jerry Jones. Okay. McCarthy got to keep his job and Kellen Moore was shown the friggin' door. Yes. So yes. the John Q public, media, NFL media, whoever, else, they might have gone down that road it doesn't matter. Jerry's the only one that matters. And Jerry kept the coach and fired the coordinator. Oh, the Eagles did the exact same thing. But the Eagles are crazy <laughs> for having done that. Jones did the same thing. And oh, by yes. the way, of all the of the coordinators who got their walker papers in the last couple of years, and I'll include Matt Patricia and I, Matt Patricia, Sean Desai, Brian Johnson, Kellen Moore from Dallas. The biggest scapegoat of them all was Kellen Moore more so than any of the Eagles' three coordinators because the Eagles went back badly. The Cowboys just didn't win a playoff game. Well, what else to do? They have a great turn of the regular season <laughs> under Kellen Moore, but somebody had to go, and it well, was and uh, Jerry decided it wasn't uh, going to be Mike McCarthy. So guess what? Kellen Moore, get the hell out of here.
9: Well, remember, we're talking about Jerry. We're talking about Jerry here, and, and Kellen survived the Garrett era. And comes in with McCarthy. And from what I understand, there there was a lot of backroom politicking between McCarthy and Moore at the end there. Um, so, you know, whether or not Jerry makes the right decision on that, I worry about this person who was very active in the backroom politicking uh, under two different coaches and then winds up getting the boot at the last second. In that, under those circumstances.
4: Well, here's the difference to me when Jody makes the comp, because, you know, it's a decent comp from the perspective of the offensive coordinator was the scapegoat in both situations. But in the Dallas situation, Mike McCarthy got the power. Yes. And Kellen Moore was the play caller, and and they moved on from Kellen Moore, so they certainly scapegoated him. They assigned blame to him. But then Mike McCarthy got the power as the head coach. Now, if you want to go back to Jason Garrett, I think that's the better comparison, Mm -hmm. because that was the opposite. Jerry kept Jason Garrett, but clipped his wings. That's what Jeffrey Lurie did to Nick Sirianni. I think that's the better comparison, and that's my concern, because Jason Garrett turned into the clapper, and and everybody was wondering, what the hell does Jason Garrett do? Nick Sirianni already got that question, Mike, at his postseason press conference. What is it that you do here? And he went off into a tangent. I don't know. Maybe I'll go to a defensive meeting. He
9: sounded like a (laughs) retired guy. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how this thing is going to work. I guess the scariest thing of all these analogies is that we're comparing the Eagles structurally to the Cowboys. Well, yeah, that yeah. that's difficult too. That's yeah, not ca- a good place to be. Right. The yeah. Cowboys' structure is damaged. No matter what they accomplish on the field, the structure is damaged. So if they start doing things structurally like that, Jason Garrett's job was to take the heat from Jerry. And that's an actual job in Dallas, like yes. taking all the heat from Jerry and like absorbing all of the goofiness and all the you know the whiskey breath and everything, and then making sure that, that it didn't, <laughs> you know and, and that it doesn't impact the guys at practice. That's a legit. That was a legit job that Jason Garrett had to do. I, I don't think Sirianni has that. Lori can be a, 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 a headache, obviously. Roseman is doing his own thing over there. You don't need that uh, lightning rod there. So again, I don't know, and I don't see how Sirianni and Kellen Moore mesh comfortably. Because yeah, um,
3: yeah. uh, may, Maybe I got my eagle-colored glasses on, but I think it is going to work. But we'll, okay. we, we, will, we won't know till next year. I know, oh, by the way, Jerry Jones uh, taking shots from not only Mike Tanya, but Keenan Michael Key last night was taking shots at Jerry Jones yeah. left and right, as a matter of fact.
4: Because Jerry's so rich, I'll call him a bourbon guy, you know, form of whiskey, <laughs> oh, but he's a bourbon I, guy.
3: I'm
9: I think he's sure.
3: drinking no. colored, colored alcohol, yes.
9: Uh, I'm not I'm sure. A, I've, I've had it. Shelf i've had it come at me and i don't but i don't remember probably probably because there was some irish whiskey on mine and it was (laughs) all
3: right so i got a question for both of you uh coaching staff experts um i know john feels this way and i'm in lockstep with him except he's even been more outspoken about it than i have and i don't know about you mike do we like ceo coaches (laughs) <laughs> I may, mean, if you're
9: listening and not watching, I'm doing the, like, who is the they are CEO, Harbaugh, uh, John Harbaugh, yeah. Yeah. Dan Campbell, uh,
4: Dan Dylan Campbell's Dylan, CEO yeah. Coach. Yeah.
9: right. They usually tell you that's who they're going to be coming into it, you know, and there've been successful CEO coaches throughout history. I think Jimmy Johnson to a degree was a CEO coach, I think. Yeah, right, yeah. right. I, I, don't, I don't think you're sort of born into that when you start out coming in as you're, a, you're the play caller guy and you work your way up to it. So, You know, again, there are situations where I think that's a useful, beneficial thing. I don't know if that's what the Eagles have.
3: So if you're an owner and you would like a CEO coach, does that mean you need to hire someone who's just a positional coach? Because if not, someone's going to suggest if you were a play caller on the offensive side or defensive side previously, if you come in and say, well, I want to delegate that and I want to be CEO coach, people are going to go, what the hell? What are you going to do? You're going to show up at defensive meetings, Mr. Offense. You're going to show up at offensive meetings, Mr. Defense. Do you not paint yourself into a corner if you come in that way? John and I both like CEO coaches more so right. than you, apparently, Mike. Right. Uh, but if you're going to say anytime a guy gives up a responsibility, well, he had his wings clipped. He had right. all his power taken away from him. Right. Why the hell would you ever want to be a CEO coach?
9: I think some of these coaches come into the interview saying, I'm going to be that kind of coach. And when you bring these guys in and you talk to them, you're going to get that impression from them. Some a guy like Campbell is a good example, somebody who's going to market himself like that. You're right; he comes in as a position coach, although he had interim <clears> experience <throat> before that. And, and that's something where you come in and you're upfront about it and say, "This is who I'm going to be." It's rare, though, because I think when we make our lists of candidates and the, and
4: yeah, the owners well, here's what I would argue, Mike. I think we're doing it wrong. Like You know the adage, if you're hiring a scheme, you're doing it wrong. You hear that yeah. all the time, yeah. and yet every owner does it. All yes. right, who's the hot guy? I want right. Ben Johnson. Now, Ben Johnson wants $15 million, so right. Ben Johnson's back being a coordinator. But they always hire the hot play caller, whether right. it's defensive or offensive. And I got to tell you, I'm, I, I mean, we're in the Internet age. We're just talking about it in gambling. Mm-hmm. You can go online. And get, who do you like? You like Bill Walsh? You can get a Bill Walsh playbook. You like uh, Kyle Shanahan? You can get a Kyle Shanahan playbook. Right. Everybody's got access to this stuff. So to me, it's about teaching it. Yes. That, and you're a teacher. It, yes. it, you have to teach people to be ready to execute. I think we overrate play calling to a ludic- ludicrous degree. Jody I mean, knows right. this about me. We don't judge play calls; we
9: judge play results to a huge degree. And so often, the great play caller is the guy who's got the guys.
3: Yes, yeah. it's yeah. all about talent. Look yeah.
9: at you guys were talking about Aaron Donald. I come on. Look at this scheme that Brandon Staley has. Brandon Staley has a defensive tackle for the right when he was with the Rams. Occupying a double team every single time, and Jelly Ramsey shutting down the number one receiver. You can run every exotic goofy thing you want, that's going to work. You go to the, to the Chargers, you try to do the same things, it's not going to work as well. It is about installation, teaching, you know, player management, development of guys on the bench, so that when the guy comes off the bench, he knows his role, which is something Andy Reid's assistants have always stressed for years that the fifty-third guy comes in knows his role and has been like like trained into that role. Yeah. It's I don't know how in the interview process, you know, a young coach convinces people that he's going to be that. Now, if I'm if I'm hiring a defensive coach at this point, a defensive coach as a head coach like a Rocky Morris, I don't want to hear about his scheme. I don't want to hear about three, four, four, three, whatever. You're yeah. probably on the rise because you had Aaron Donald. Are you going to be this leadership person? Then you get your play caller, then you get your defensive guy who try to matches the scheme. I would expect those guys to be more of the CEO type coach. So, yeah. you know, that's one that's one way I would look at it from that standpoint.
4: Yeah. Well, I, I remember when Sean Sean McVay first got the Rams job. If you remember the early years that you had Wade Phillips, yes. and if you remember, Mike, when when the defense was on the field, he'd be sitting with Jared Goff. He wouldn't yeah. even pay attention to the game, which <laughs> right. I thought was, you know, I thought was two things. I thought it was I, – I liked the fact that he didn't care. He's like, right. I'm the offensive coach. Wade's handling the defense. But on the other hand, I want my head coach to say, if something's not going the way I want it to go, you know, I'll stick my nose in it. I'll say, look, this isn't what I want. So that's what I like about a CEO coach. I want a guy who wants to be involved with the whole team. And he bring up Harbaugh. And special teams coaches, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't realize they're the only other coach... That works with everybody, yeah. exception of the quarterback. And they never look at special teams guys, even with the success of Harbaugh. I right. think people are getting it wrong in this league. Maybe that's hubris for me, but man, they all hire the same, they all interview the same six guys. Mm-hmm. You know, you got six, a group of six hot candidates. Right. Every team interviews the same stinking guys. Right. And then the chairs fall, the music stops, and so and so's in this spot.
9: At least this one was a little unusual in that the Raiders do promote Antonio Pierce. And he's a little bit of a blank slate to me, but he's coming in. I was an in interim for a while. I was just a defensive assistant. And now I'm this, I'm not, I don't know how that's going to go for them, but at least it's a different process. I think the Patriots, I, again, like, Oh, the Patriots are, are promoting Mayo and he's going to be another Belichick. It's different. It's not them going out there and saying, who's our next savior the process seemed to be a little bit different this year. But, I, and the other thing about the CEO coaches it's going to be behind the scenes most of the time, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. if I'm guessing Sean McVay on Monday morning took Wade Phillips aside and said, "Hey, this worked. This didn't work. You know, are we sure about this? I would. Lo- you know, I am still your boss. I want this, this, and this." He he had the sort of carriage early on in his career to say, "Look, this is a, a this is my sergeant, and he is completely in charge of what's happening right now, and I'm not going to make a show of it on the sidelines." Some of this stuff is it's hard to see. I go back to Chip Kelly. And some of the stuff Chip Kelly did wrong was wrong, wrong, wrong. But some of the things he was doing in terms of teaching and installation, when he shortened meetings yeah, from like whatever they were, two hours down to about, you know, 45-minute meeting, and then we'll do another thing on the field later, that's good pedagogy. That's good teaching.
4: Yeah. No, and I agree. There's a lot yeah. of stuff Chip Chip did that was good. I just think Chip didn't have a filter, and he didn't recognize <laughs> the bad stuff. Yeah, uh, but good. a lot of good stuff that people use. People. He was the first to bring it to the NFL.
3: Right, know? right. Oh, by the way, on the Patriots, Mike, you touch on the Patriots. I don't know if you saw the Roger Goodell State of the Union on Monday, which he didn't always do it on Monday. Get it the hell out of the way. Keep it under By invitation, invitation only, you only a yeah. Yeah. bunch of things that I uh, was annoyed about by that. But one thing that he absolutely got right. Someone actually asked him, did the Patriots subvert the Rooney rule by having Mayo in place as the replacement for Belichick? And he goes, of course not. That's a good thing. Right. If we're talking McMullen loves this continuity. We're having our guy step in to replace our guy. And oh, by the way, he's an African American. Right. Why would you even ask that stupid uh, question? Yeah.
9: Right. And, and it's written into the rule that like a successor that you don't have to go outside if this is a yeah. direct successor yeah. and things
3: like that.
4: Yeah.
9: I, it's by invitation only, you think they'd invite people who are like on top of
4: uh, yeah, people, those, yeah, people, yeah, people yeah. who would yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah. If you're right. in that spot, maybe they should be a little bit more um harsh with giving out the invitations because you <laughs> should you should have a better education on what you're asking. Right. Um
5: right. for nice. for the
4: fact of that... let's talk about the game though, Mike. There's a big game. Yes. Even though people here get upset when we're not talking Eagles, we gotta talk about the Chiefs and the 49ers. I gotta tell you, Mike, I'm surprised. The 49ers are technically favorite. I don't know how, because everybody I know is picking the Chiefs. Yeah. I I think the Niners have the better roster um, from top to bottom. Obviously, you have Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. I would add in Harrison uh, Butker over Jake Moody. That's big as well if it's a close game. Um, Are you in the all-in Chiefs category?
9: I'm leaning Chiefs. I'm not all in on the Chiefs. If you... Look at the breadth of the season. The 49ers were the better team for the breadth of the season. When you're looking at the Chiefs, particularly like around Christmas when they're losing to the Raiders and the weeks before that when the guys are dropping passes, the 49ers are a better team. If you look at, I guess I guess it was week 17, which was the week that the um, 49ers got beaten bad by the uh, Ravens. If you look from week 17 through the playoffs, the Chiefs are a better team. And it looks like, the Chiefs have figured things out along the way. They're, they're not getting the ball to Kadarius Toney anymore. They're minimizing these other guys. Rashi Rice has taken on a bigger role. Isaiah Pacheco is taking on a bigger role. they figure figured some things out defensively. So I can, And, of course, there's the Mahomes-Jordan factor in the playoffs. The 49ers have tailed off, but I can't identify why. And that's why I can't be a big believer in saying, well, I look at the 49ers and how they lost to the Ravens and how they had so much trouble with the Packers and they had so much trouble with the Lions, and this team has tailed off. There's no injury that explains that. Um, You can say it's tougher competition. I think that's to a degree. So I look at the 49ers maybe right now as neck and neck with the Chiefs, and under those circumstances, then I'm stuck going to the intangibles and the Andy Reid in the big game and the Spagnola in a big game and, of course, Mahomes in a big game and saying that's the edge that makes me lean Chiefs.
3: Now I might be putting the cart before the horse here because I'm picking the 49ers. All right. Some people are saying, ooh, the 49ers fell behind. I had to rally to beat the Packers, I had to rally beat the Lions. That's glass half-empty stuff. Okay, I'll yeah. look at his glass half-full. They rallied to yeah. beat the Rams. They rallied down 17 to beat the Lions and get up by 27 unanswered points. Mm-hmm. Uh, scoring 27 unanswered points is a bad thing because you fell behind? uh yeah i'm i'm on the san francisco bandwagon because of what they've done not shying away from them because they needed to rally both of the last two weeks
9: and they showed they could rally because that was a team where for most of the season i said well, what's what's the flaw it's like are you down by 10 is brock purdy when he can't just hand off anymore is that going to do it for you and they showed in the last couple of weeks it can so on that hand i'm impressed by that and that does demonstrate some of the things they can do on the other hand the rallies involve balls bouncing off defenders. Yeah, that's
4: yeah. my concern. Right, because right. The style just, points,
9: you know, Josh don't, Reynolds. Don't,
3: don't forget the field goal kicker wide right for Buffalo. It's now twice. Right. Uh, that game could have very no, easily got in Buffalo. overtime. You want to talk about the ball that bounced off the well, helmet. And, and, and and most and times that, that field goal is good, specifically by that kicker, but just in general in the league. Play a field goal yeah. stuff happened to the 49ers, too, and a ball bounced off a defender.
9: And Jake
4: seat. Moody. And Josh Reynolds dropped the football, <laughs> and Jamar Gibbs fumbled the football, which was pretty much an unforced error because he didn't know which way to go on a right. particular handoff. All right. these things happened that were not of the – look, hey, people get lucky all the time. Ball bounces off a face mask. Brandon Ayuk, take advantage,
9: applaud him. But you can't count on that stuff. It, it, it's the difference between saying, well, can the 49ers rally? They can. They've showed that. Do they have some sort of magical power to rally now based on these things? And you can't take it to that next level. If I say, which team could come, do, would I count on if it's two minutes left in the game and they're down by a field goal? Of course, I'm picking the Chiefs in those situations, yeah. and that's what it comes down to. But I'm not denigrating the capability of the 49ers to come back. In 2019, with Garoppolo, I would have denigrated their ability to come back in that game, and that's how that Super Bowl actually played out.
3: Yeah, All right, exactly La- last play. question on the game for me, and uh, you, you kind of tipped your hand here, Mike. You say you're only leaning, but yeah, it sounds like you're leaning pretty heavily. Um, yeah. pressure on the coach, I don't think anyone would argue there's more pressure on the 49er coach than the Chiefs coach. Yeah. Andy's already got two in his back pocket, Shanahan doesn't, and Shanahan has had if you want to consider the Super Bowl losses. The head coach had the lead in the second half against Andy Reid and the Chiefs, and he gave it up. Yeah, Certainly remembering back to when he was the offensive coordinator with the uh, Atlanta Falcons, the biggest collapse in Super Bowl history. So there's yeah. more pressure on him than there is Andy Reid. Is that actually a factor in a game? Do you think that plays out itself on Sunday afternoon?
9: I would assume that the way that would come happen is if the 49ers are starting to squander a lead, if they're up by 10, like they were in the Super Bowl, or they're up by 28, 3 or whatever, and a comeback's happening. If Kyle Shanahan starts saying, I gotta put the dagger in this now, Purdy throw a bomb, or starts making like, like questionable decisions based on that. That's where I think that pressure would come in. Uh I like the way Aaron Schatz described the the difference between the coaches to me on yesterday's podcast. Um, if it comes to the big picture planning there are few people better than Kyle Shanahan and his staff to, like, assemble this team, and John Lynch to assemble this team and create this structure and these overarching game plans that week in, week out beat you. When it comes to an individual game and an individual drive, you and Andy Reid and Spags. Yeah. And say, here's one opponent, here's one situation, what are you going to do? And they're going to outplay call in those situations. So I think that's where it would come in. Okay, it's the fourth quarter, this is nip and tuck that's where I would trust Andy Reed over Kyle Shanahan. There's a chance that this is, you know, a 14 point 49ers lead at halftime. And then we're just saying, will they get the yips uh, again in a super, Bowl, which I'm not sure I would count on as, as a thing that mm-hmm. happens.
4: At Mike Tanier, make sure you follow. Uh, and I like what you've done there, Mike. You got X, you got threads, you got blue sky. Now I give you a lot of respect. I mean, X is a hellscape. We all know it's a hellscape, but, uh, I I I can't toggle back and forth between these other programs. I give you a lot of credit. I I just I, I it's too much. It's too much for me. But I see Reggie's picture up in the background. I got to ask real quick, just for the Hall of Fame. Eric Allen. I've seen a couple guys like Reggie White was so dominant, was so good. Do you think that affects other defenders on those particular defenses in their Hall of Fame? uh candidacies whether it's eric allen seth joyner um players like that because reggie was so dominant so good people give him so much credit do you think that affects the other guys
9: i don't know i'm glad eric allen has found his way onto the finalist group and i don't think he's going to get in as a finalist he might have to go to a senior remember how good he was for the eagles he was also very good for the raiders for some yeah. yeah so he has this great thing i have a saying and i'm not saying anything bad about seth joiner heaven forbid on an eagles podcast but I have a say, saying that one of the voters gave me years ago, and it's every city has its linebacker. You go yeah, to every yeah, NFL city, yeah. and there's a Seth Joyner like character, you know, a Jesse Tuggle, Hardy Nickerson. Um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank uh, uh, Nobus uh, for the Tommy value.
4: Nobis, yeah. Yeah. D, the D Orlando uh, Ledbetter, our buddy uh, talks about Tommy Nobis all the time. Yeah.
9: Yes. So, like, if you start, and I, I and Gratishar, for, you know, who just got, yeah, in, we got in. Who got in broncos for 30 years that was their linebacker so i'd be happy to let them all in but i don't think people want like 32 linebackers entering the hall of fame
3: <laughs>
9: that's what i think impacts joiner and i think simmons is kind of in that same ballpark Where if you look at the edge rushers there's so many getting in and simmons is kind of like here's yeah. the food, he's like yeah. down here Jared Char- like,
4: allen can't even get in dwight right. freeney uh yeah. yeah dwight freeney gets in what what a spin move right dwight freeney that's had great. but uh yeah, they always let edge rushers in. Always,
3: always. Right. I yeah. might give us the details on the podcast that you just referenced.
9: I'm on the FTN podcast with Aaron Schatz, and you can find that on YouTube. I'm also launching a substack, and I want to say how thrilled I've been with the initial response. I was terrified that I was going to open this substack. It's called the Too Deep Zone, T-O-O, Too Deep. Okay, like that girl All you right, I get it. yeah, yeah. Well. Deep. Okay. I was expecting tumbleweeds. I've had a wonderful outpouring of support. Nice folks check it out you can subscribe for free and then if you like it some more you can Become a paid subscriber and get all the features that are going to be coming out in the next weeks and months.
3: And
4: well we done.
3: Will, we yeah. will continue to have Mike. On
9: I might
4: stop by to look at that
3: laptop too,
4: Mike. In case you, in case you keep it, <laughs> I'll
3: go. I'll
9: get my shovel and go dig it out of my.
3: <laughs> yeah, be be careful, McMullen could steal it because he's had issues with yeah. his connection yeah. lately. He might <laughs> he might be willing to blame his computer rather than his uh, connection company and take yours as he goes out the door. Uh, Mike Ten, you enjoyed the game on Sunday. Appreciate it, bud. You got it. Enjoy the game, guys. Thanks, nice Mike. Time. You're here with us on Birds 365. All right, come back. We only got a couple minutes left. Uh, I'll give you the final score of the Super Bowl. not, so not why? I. I got to pick not, the game. The exact score of the Super Bowl I will give to you when we come back. Johnny Mack will have his pick. Put a bow on the show here on Birds 365.
6: Professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamuton Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable.
7: Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently.
5: Go first!
2: Get ready for the big game with Underdog Fantasy and sign up right now with your verified account. Use the word WIN when you register. Underdog Fantasy is giving away $1 million in giveaways and underdog credit on Super Bowl Sunday. And there's a new customer special for anyone that signs up this week for Patrick Mahomes. Get ready for Super Sunday and set up your account right now with Underdog Fantasy. And use the word WIN.
3: Super Sunday is now a little over 48 hours away. Uh, kickoff is going to be, I think, 640. I heard last night. Unless it's 30, 10 minutes afterwards, somewhere thereabouts. Um, Chiefs against the 49ers. I will suggest that most of Philadelphia will be rooting for Kansas City, that there's more hatred, uh, disdain for the, Can- the San Francisco 49ers in town right now than the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, don't care about whose people are rooting for I care about who I'm picking. I care about who I'm betting. I told you earlier in the show John, I've already bet on the exact final score of the game, which I got 500 to one odds on and I'm basing my pick on basically three things Debo Samuel, Trent Williams and in honor of the show, the Philadelphia Eagles, because the Philadelphia Eagles played both the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. And they did so just 13 days apart. It wasn't like they played one at the beginning of the season where you had the really good Eagles and one at the end of the season where we had the god-awful Eagles. No, it was right there in the middle of the season, 13 days apart. They went into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs. They got their heads handed to them in their own house by the San Francisco 49ers. So based on the... A equals B, B equals C. A's got to equal C. Yeah, I'm taking the San Francisco 49ers to win 34 to 29. High scoring affair. Both offenses moving the ball up and down the field. Um, A missed two-point conversion, the key to get me to 34 and 29. Taking a shot there to get a kind of obtuse score. But that's why I got 500 to one. I think it's gonna be high scoring. I think the 49ers win and cover and it finishes as an over. How do you see the Super Bowl going? Uh, what is the number? What is the over number? The spread is San Francisco by four. The over under is 47 and a half. 47 and a half.
4: So I am going over. Um, I disagree with your transit of property. They do not exist in the NFL. I disagree with that. Um I wanted to pick San Francisco. I think San Francisco is the better roster. Interestingly, people know I'm a big Kyle Shanahan fan. The reason I'm picking Kansas City has to do with coaching, and it has nothing to do with Andy Reid. It has to do with Steve Spagnolo, who I have not always been a big fan of. I'm one of the few people in Philadelphia. Everybody loves Spags. I don't dislike Spags, um, but – you know, in New York, New Orleans, he had two of the worst defenses in NFL history. History. He's a perfect example. We're talking about coaches. Show me a good coach. I'll show you a bunch of good players. He's got a bunch of good players now. Kansas City's done a great job building up that defense. And he plays the right way, Steve Spagnolo. I think you can't. If this were a big bangio scheme, I'd be picking San. I'd be picking San Francisco. Um, he's going to put pressure. I think the only way San Francisco wins this game, and it's possible, is that Brock Purdy plays a clean game. I think if Brock plays a clean game, San Francisco is going to win. I don't think he's going to play a clean game because Spags won't allow it. He's going to come at him from every angle. He's going to force the issue. He's going to make a bunch of big plays, but he's going to make some mistakes. I think Kansas City wins a relatively close game,
3: 27-23. Uh, this will rob Eagle fans the long way going out the door. Unlike the Philadelphia Eagles, the 49ers will throw quick hitting slants over the middle to beat that pressure brought by Spagnolo in the name of Debo Samuel, who will have not only a receiving touchdown, but also a rushing touchdown. I got two touchdowns for Debo, one of each, 20 to one on that one, too. So, uh, yeah, I think that uh, I I agree with everything just said uh, on what I think Spag's going to try and do. I think 49ers will have the answer. All right, uh, we will be back on Monday morning. Well, yeah, we'll talk about the Super Bowl again. For those of you who uh, don't like the Super Bowl, I would say sorry, (laughs) Monday after the Super Bowl, we're not going to talk about the, uh, the
4: The good news is that'll probably be it, uh, other than the con, maybe occasional reference to it. Uh, we'll be past the Super Bowl. Then we can talk about the 16th free agent
3: on the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, yes, because it becomes Howie season shortly thereafter when the Super Bowl is over and done with. It'll be over and done with on Monday, but you got to come in and hear Johnny Mack and Jody Mack's opinion on the Super Bowl on Monday right here on Bird's. 365
1: You've been listening to Birds 365. <laughs>